Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. I think that's, I mean, based on that reaction alone, I should say, hey, I'm from Union, and then I'm out. Like, that's it. Like, yeah, way to go. Best camp speaker we've ever had, ever. I'm going to take this guy. I'm going to use this, if that's cool. So I feel like I know some of you, um, and which is amazing. In fact, I'll just say this now. Sam, I am humbled. Where you at, brother? And you, oh, you just got up and left. That's cool. Or you moved. He was, right, he was like right in front of me, and I was just staring at him the entire time and gazed into his beautiful eyes, but now he's gone. Um, no, it's, uh, it's always humbling getting to come and speak at a camp where someone entrusts you enough to say, hey, um, we want you to just share God's word and we want to have you pour into our students. It's always a very humbling thing for myself. So first, I just want to say thank you uh, for allowing me to come and be up here and just to talk um, about God's word. Uh, Just a little bit about me. Again, my name is Kenan. Um, Just, that's fine. You just Kenan, Keenan, Quinoa. My students call me Quinoa. I take that, which I don't know if you know this, uh, quinoa is actually a great rice substitute. Um, you can, uh, I usually cook it up with a little bit of chicken stock, and it is prime, yo, I'm just telling you. It is, oh, it's right up there with steak. Anyway, so, because I love my meat, and so that's saying something. Um, but whatever, whatever it takes, just yell something, and I'll be like, hey, what's up? I, I love chatting with you guys, and it is a cool opportunity because I am. I'm right around the corner from you guys. Uh, some of you is probably, what, 10 minutes from NGC, and uh, so it's cool that we get to now partner together as the Church of Clark County, and, uh, and that's why it's so good to be away with you here uh, this weekend. I want to share a little bit about me before I get started, because that always helps to know your camp speaker a little bit. Um, let's put, put that first picture up there. Um, this is... Aren't we adorable? Okay, so um, this is my, at the time, she was even my fiance. So this is uh, Carissa. She and I dated um, starting as freshmen in high school. We were 15 when we met. Actually, we were 14 when we met, 15 when we started dating. And, um, and again, when I, and I'm using that term dating very loosely. It's like dating. Basically, we stood next to each other in the locker bays. We're like, ah, you're so cute. I'm like, so are you. Um, and that was, that was us dating. Um, but this is uh, our senior trip. Her parents took us to uh, Six Flags, which was legit. Um, yeah, we're seniors here. Aren't we so cute? Anyway, so obviously you can tell I'm super into her. She's still kind of iffy at this point. So, um, but that's us. And then, um, but what's great is when, um, guys, just take some notes. Um, if you pursue a girl long enough and you love Jesus enough, um, she'll eventually say yes to marrying you. Um, and, we, and we actually, we got married. Check this out, yo. We got married at 19. Okay, I don't recommend it, but it was great for us. Jesus led the way and took the wheel and all the other cliches. Um, But out of this, out of this marriage came the blessing of our three little ones. And so I, I know. Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go oldest to youngest. Okay, so the middle one is our oldest. That's Jeremiah. So check this out. Jeremiah David, like just... I legitimately how I came up with his name is I was flipping through the Bible and I was like what are like the manliest names I could possibly so I was in the book of Jeremiah I was like boom first name and then I flipped open to Psalms like David boom second name super spiritual then we have over to our other guy uh, Hudson Daniel who he oh that boy I tell you just the softness of his heart it melts me every day um 
and then we have little Eliana Ray, and she, oh, I'm in so much trouble, you guys. Like, no, you don't understand. I need y'all to pray for me daily with her. She is so cute and so sweet and so cuddly, but she is devious. Oh my goodness. She just, oh, she wants it all. She wants the world and she wants me to give it to her. And when I refuse, it's a meltdown of epic proportions. Anyway, so that is my, that, that's my children. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, they're super adorable. If you go to the next one, you can see all of us together. So um, this is a picture of all of us actually not too long ago than April. Um, for four years, I had the amazing opportunity to be a missionary um, to the people of Canada. And um, it's legitimate, all right? They need Jesus too. Um, we, we love our Canadian brothers and sisters. They need Jesus too. So we spent four years up there and I was doing some youth pastor work up there and it was an amazing time. God just, he grew us in ways we were not even prepared for. It was an incredible experience. Um, and we actually went back not too long ago and kind of visited everybody and uh, stayed with our old pastor. It was, it was an amazing time. Um, but again, I grew up in Clark County. Guys, like Clark County is home for us. And um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. That tells you everything that's wrong with me. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. So my dad was a pastor. He still is a pastor up in the Tacoma area. And uh, so I grew up going to church. I grew up coming to camps just like this. Like camp to me is just home. It's like a secondary home to me wherever I go with when it comes to camps. Um, but yeah, I went to uh, Sifton Elementary. Anybody go to Sifton? Anybody? Oh, no way. Yes. Sifton Elementary. Superstars. Anyway. Um, and then I actually, then we moved and we went to, and I went to Y East Middle School. Any Y Easters? Any Y East? Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> hey, hey. Warriors beat Eagles any day of the week. I'll just say it now. Um, oh! Oh! Guys, we're going to have so much fun this weekend. You have no idea. All right. And then, I know, right? I just, I like to mix it up a little bit. Just keep you guys on your toes. And then I went from there and I was, uh, my freshman year, um, I was at Mountain View High School. How many of you guys from Mountain View High School? Yeah, Mountain View, thunder. And then, and then uh, Union opened up and I was, uh, I won't tell you the long story. If you want to know the long story, I'll tell it to you later. But I basically ended up going to Union. So Union. So I was the second graduating class from Union. Um, and uh, my name apparently is no longer up on the leaderboard for the highest batting average that Union's ever had. I finished my senior year with a 498 batting average. Um, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is not, this is not praise me time. I only say this because I went back to check and apparently it's down for some clown who hit like 412 and I'm like, those are smaller numbers. And so I'm not bitter. I just really want somebody to go and deal with it for me. Okay, so I'm saying that strictly for you to take and charge in the name of Jesus. All right. <laughs> Let's, uh, you guys get your Bibles with you? You guys get your Bibles with you? We're going to be in the book of First Peter a lot this camp. I love the book of 1 Peter, uh, mainly because I love Peter. If you know anything about Peter, he was the disciple with his foot in his mouth, um, and I can relate a lot to Peter. And Peter is the disciple of big ups and big downs, the disciple that was willing to pull a knife and cut off a dude's ear for Jesus, and is the same one who also denied him three times. Peter is one of those guys that I feel like a lot of us can relate to because, again, he is, he is so passionate about Jesus, and yet his humanity takes over more often than maybe he wants, to, wants it to. And yet at the end, if you know the story of Peter, 
God uses, Jesus uses Peter to build his church. It's amazing what God will do with broken people. It's amazing what God will do with people who are, who are struggling to figure it out, who make mistakes on the daily. It's amazing what God will do with people who are simply willing to say yes when he asks us to say yes. I don't know if you can relate to Peter, but I know I sure can. And we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm just going to read the first nine verses for us. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to kind of dig in a little bit deeper of what God's got for us tonight. I honestly believe you guys that this camp, um, God is hopefully going to unite us as part of just the church of Clark County. But we're going to walk back to Clark County changed after this weekend. Not because of anything I'm saying is super special. But because of the perspective we're going to go back is that of a kingdom mindset that we don't actually belong and that's okay. So let me read this for us. And we'll continue. It says this in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are exiles, or elect exiles, of the dispersion, keep that in the back of your head, dispersion, of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, (laughs) Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again of a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. I know for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy and it's unexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray again. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we get to join together as citizens of your kingdom, not just of NGC. And God, I just pray that as this time, as we gather together, we gather in your name, and I pray that you and your spirit would speak and lead in this time together. May you change our hearts. May you open up our minds. May you show us and teach us something new about yourself. God, we ask for wisdom and discernment, peace and joy as we follow after you. And all of God's people said, amen. I don't know if you've ever felt this in your life where you felt like you don't belong. I, uh, I was in a neighborhood with a little cul-de-sac, and one of the guys in our cul-de-sac loved soccer. I wasn't a big soccer player as a kid. I don't mind soccer, but I just wasn't my thing. But they were down like eight guys that, you know, that one of the games. And so they're like, hey, can you just step in and basically throw on a jersey? You won't play a whole lot, but can we just throw on a jersey? I'm like, cool. I love sports and running around. That sounds awesome. What I didn't realize is it was an indoor soccer game. I guess played indoor soccer before. Anybody? Okay. So a little bit different than outdoor soccer because you can kick it off the walls. And I got really excited when I was like, yo, this is like hockey. Like you can push people up against the boards in this game. That's what I'm thinking. I don't say any of this out loud. I'm just thinking I get to throw down in a soccer game. Why have I not been playing this my whole life? So we go and we start the game. I'm sitting on the bench. I'm like, this is cool, whatever. 
and we're not doing so hot apparently. So, because I wasn't really paying attention. Um, so then they throw me in, throw me in the game, and I was like, "Oh, it's on! Oh, it's so on!" So they basically were like, "Hey, Ken, just like stand next to this guy. Just don't let him get the ball." So as a football player, I heard, "Don't let that guy touch the ball, no matter what." Got it, coach. So the ball comes rolling to this guy. If you don't think about soccer, the ball's going everywhere. This ball's coming toward this guy. I step in front of him and just elbow him in the chest and then just boot the ball across the field. I'm like, yeah! And the ref's coming up to me like, bro, um, you can't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? We can't, can't do this. And I kept doing that the entire time, you guys. I'm like dribbling upfield. I'm shoving guys in the boards. I legitimately went for a slide tackle, which basically was me doing this like a baseball slide, and I was going down, and then I popped up and basically tackled the guy. It was a mess. And I, I, got, I got two yellow cards, super proud of it. I got two yellow cards in an indoor, indoor game, and I also scored two goals. What's up? So I, as, as we played this game, I, the whole time I'm just going like, I, I do not belong here. <laughs> like, this is not my game. Like, throw some pads on me and, let, and let's, let's go. But this was not... I just didn't feel like I belonged. There was this tension of me going, this is not my game. This is not my sport. Like, these guys are doing all these cool flippies and trickies and things. I just, I'm just, I just want to hit people. Like, I don't, I don't want to do anything with a soccer ball. I just want to hit people. And I also remember, I remember the first time, actually, we, we landed in Canada, my family and I. And, I, I mean, I'm not from the South, but I'm about as south as the Northwesterner can get. I love hish, uh, like fishing, hunting. I mean, I say y'all all the time. I mean, it's like, it's about as southern as you can get from being born in like Portland, right? So anyway, uh, I, I go to Canada and I'm expecting one thing. Yo, Canadians are weird. Do we have any Canadians in here before I offend you? For real? For real? Yes? <gasps> I love you so much. Yes. Oh my goodness. No, seriously though, I love the Canadian people because they are, you guys, they're so polite. Like it's a real thing where people will cut, like I'll cut people off in traffic and I can legitimately see people apologizing behind me like, sorry, I was in your way. It's like, you're amazing. Like I just love the, the, the yeah, I love the apologetic spirit of the Canadians. Anyway, so I just remember being there and if you guys, so, okay, so Tim's, right? So Tim's coffee shop. You guys have been Tim's, heard of Tim's, right? Yeah. Okay. Come on, somebody. Help me out. So Tim's, I am there a week, and I joked around with our team, and I was like, hey, guys, we should go to Timothy's for coffee. And you, thank you. Some of you already caught it. The air that got sucked out of the room when I said Timothy's as a joke, nope. They, like, they'll joke about anything except Tim's and hockey. You touch on those two things, they will throw down. Like, the teeth come out, and they just, they go, like, no teeth Canadians, and they are throwing <laughs> down. It is terrifying when Canadians, when you miss, say, Tim's, and you talk bad about hockey, Angry Canadians, you don't want to be in that room. You don't want to be in that room. I remember just feeling like I don't, I don't belong. I want to talk about baseball. Like I want to, I want to watch good football, not Canadian football. I want to watch good football. Like, I, and I tell you what, I got into hockey, but not like I, nah, not like they do. It's, they're crazy up there. But there was this tension of just like, I don't belong. Like, why can't I seem to get settled? This, this settledness, I just don't seem to belong. And I remember playing ball, baseball. Baseball was my main thing. And I remember doing traveling teams and everything. I played for Ryder Showtime or Showtime now or was Ryder. I mean, all, whatever it was. And we were traveling all over the place. And uh, one of the places we frequented often was Arizona because it's stupid hot there and you can play baseball all year round. Um, 
And as we're getting on the plane, I had a couple of my friends who um, I didn't know super well. Like I was probably 17 at the time. And there were guys that were like, you know, 18, 19, 20. They were older than me. And in the airport, they're buying magazines that are inappropriate in nature, as far as I'll go. Um, they're, they're, I mean, they're buying up things. And I'm like, um, guys, like, we can't. This should be. And like dads, like their dads are on the trip. And their dads are totally cool with it. And I'm going, ah, uh, if I did that, my dad would have me in a casket. Like what is happening? Like I'm so, I was so confused. And then as we're sitting in like the hotel rooms, like they're all just like, they're looking at these magazines. Because remember, this was before like a smartphone. Okay, so this was, I mean, internet's around, I'm not that old, but like, internet's around, but smartphones and having basically instant access to the internet was not a thing. So guys would still go out, still go out and buy these magazines and just like look at them and oogle and ogle over, and I just, it just made me feel so awkward. <laughs> so awkward as I'm trying to just like play baseball. And these guys are running around Arizona trying to pick up girls and looking at magazines and ordering movies on pay-per-view. I'm just like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I don't, I don't mesh. I don't jive with this. This is not what I know to be true. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that tension? I mean, put yourself in whatever situation you want to. Have you ever felt that tension of just going like, I don't, I don't belong here. <laughs> and maybe even if you're trying to belong, you're trying to fit in, you're going like, well, maybe if I just try it a little bit, maybe it'll feel right, but it never feels right. There's always just this tug and pull of just like, ah, I know what I'm doing and I shouldn't be doing it. You just feel like I can't seem to figure it out. I don't seem to belong. And see, when we look at kingdom, or look at culture at large, we see this tension of what it means to be a kingdom-minded person, what it means to be a Christian in today's culture. We don't have to look very far. We don't have to have a very long conversation with somebody to feel the tension. You don't have to watch TV for very long or listen to basically any music to feel that tension immediately. We're like, something just doesn't feel right. Because see, culture's perspective on things like relationships are, is self-serving and lust-driven. It's not the way of Jesus. So there's tension. Marriage. It's not necessary and it's really easy just to get a divorce if it doesn't work. Like if you end up getting married, get married because it feels really good. But when it stops feeling good, just call it in. That's all good. Right? This is what our culture pushes at us. Money. Life revolves around it. Right? Money is everything. It's the pursuit of everything. Do whatever you need to do to make as much cash as you possibly can. That is really what makes life go around. Sex. Anything goes as long as you're safe. This is what's being pushed on you. This is what's being told to you through social media, music, TV shows, movies. You don't have to raise your hands. I don't want to call anybody out. But my wife and I, we were like, hey, we loved Archie as, as a kid. Let's watch Riverdale. Yeah, I know. I can hear by the groans. You all know what I'm talking about. We started watching Riverdale. I had to turn off Riverdale. I'm like, Whoa. This is what, and this is what is being portrayed as normal in high school. So if you're in high school, you're like, oh yeah. If you're in middle school, just, this is to prep you, <laughs> right? If you're in middle school, know that this is on the horizon. And let's be honest with ourselves. In middle school, it's getting 
like earlier and earlier and earlier that some of you start to be tempted with some of these things, pushed in some of these directions. And it's so confusing. Because I don't know about you, but it just never felt right. Time is all yours. Be selfish with it. Don't, don't sacrifice your time for people. Like, do what you want to do. Right? That's what's being told to you all the time. And again, sacrifice isn't even on the radar. Isn't even on the radar. And while we see it, we hear it, maybe we're experiencing it, do you ever think that it's maybe because we're so desperate to feel whole? We're so desperate to feel like it can finally click together. We're so desperate to go, man, if I just keep trying, if I just keep pushing, eventually I'll get there. Eventually it'll figure itself out. Eventually I'll feel like I belong. That I can call it home, that I can rest. I'll have some peace in my life. If I just keep pushing and doing what culture tells me to do, maybe it'll work itself out. My biggest pushback to that is if the world's way was gonna work, wouldn't it have worked by now? Guys, this isn't new. <laughs> the stuff we're dealing with, this, thing, this isn't new stuff. You read scripture and it's all over there. It's all over scripture. The struggles of humanity. It's not new. Jim Carrey, one of my favorite actors, Dumb and Dumber, right? Pet Detective, right? I mean, I love, I love me some Jim Carrey. He really kind of fell off the deep end, but I love me some Jim Carrey. He's famously quoted saying this, I hope that everyone can become rich and famous so they can see that it's not the answer. This is a guy who did it. This is a guy who started off, you know Jim Carrey's story, he was basically homeless for most of his life. And then he climbed the top through Hollywood. He made it the way that we all, he's, he's rich, he's famous, we all know who he is. And he says, I hope that everyone experiences that so that we can see that it's not worth it. Let there be light. Amen. Let there be light. And God saw it was good. Wow. So, if you've ever felt like that, if you've ever wrestled and found the tension, and you're feeling like, man, I just don't belong, I have good news for you. Welcome home. Welcome to the dispersion. Welcome to the exile. Welcome. Right here, this is your home. These people, this is your home. Running after God, this is your home. This world and what it has to offer, this, this temporal place that we, that we that even earth that we call our home now, this is not our home. This is not our home. We're supposed to feel like we don't belong. We're supposed to feel off. We're supposed to. Because as kingdom people, our heart is for the kingdom. Our heart is not for the temporal here and now. And this is true, just much like the early church in Rome in which Peter was writing to, we do not live in a Christian country. As much as we like to say, we do not live in a Christian country. We are maybe, maybe have some Christian values that kind of sort of hold it up, but we do not live in a Christian country. Stop lying to yourself. 
that we live in a Christian country. We don't. Because the moment we begin to disillusion ourselves with that lie, the moment we begin to realize, oh, that's why none of this seems to work out. Oh, that's why there's so much tension. Oh, that's why. Because we don't live in a Christian country. And this is why Peter writes his letter and he starts his letter just as simple as that. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is introducing himself to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. That's them all over, all over. The dispersion, those who are dispersed, those who are exiles. They are exiles. In our context, it might look like this. Welcome to the exiles of Camas, Swashugal, Battleground, Ridgefield, Westside, Cascade Park, right? East Vancouver. I mean, this, this is our dispersion. Guys, we have we are been dispersed as exiles in our own county. We're living as exiles, and we feel this tension all the time. And this is where many of us face crossroads because there's this tension. Many of us face crossroads when you have a conversation, you see views, or you hear things on sex or money, relationships, marriage, abortion, some of these things that we are in contact with all the time in our culture, and it's unrelenting, and it's a push after push after agenda after agenda. It's no wonder. It's no wonder you feel frustrated. It's no wonder you feel pulled and pushed and shoved in a hundred different directions. It's no wonder. So, this is the crossroads. This is the test. This is the question. Who do you belong to? If you're writing notes, who do you belong to? This is really the question. Who do you belong to? In a time of struggle, where does your allegiance lie? I love that word, allegiance. Where does your allegiance lie? So many of us are used to singing the Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) But is your allegiance to Jesus or is it to the world? Where is your allegiance? Will you give in because it's easy or will you fight because it's hard? Who do you belong to? Where? is your allegiance. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus is not complicated. Jesus is not complicated. John 14, 15, Jesus is quoted saying this, if you love me, if your allegiance is with me, you'll do what? Follow my commands. That's pretty simple. (laughs) He's like, look, if you love me, if you're gonna call yourself one of me, if you're gonna follow in the way of Jesus, all that is required of us to do is to follow his commands. Do what he says. Live the way that he lived. It's pretty simple, but it's not simplistic. See the difference? It's simple, but it's not simplistic. Because see how this carries out in our day and day out lives. If it was simple in practice, we'd all be doing it perfectly. But we have to learn how to navigate our culture and navigate the world around us to follow the ways of Jesus. And this is an issue. This is an issue in our culture because we live in such an individualistic culture. Much like that of Rome. First century Rome, very individualistic. It was all about you. Pursue your passions. Do whatever it takes for you to find fulfillment. And whatever means and whatever ways that means. 
Again, nothing has really changed. But to believe that lie that you are simply just a person walking in a bubble that doesn't affect anybody, that is why we hurt each other. That is why we find so much pain in our cultures because when we make decisions, it actually affects other people. It affects the world around us and that's why how we live matters. How we live, it matters. We can't just simply do as we please because how we live gives a clear indication to our allegiance. Think of that. As a Christ follower, if you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm all in, Jesus. I, I'm walking in your way. Does how you live reflect that decision? Does how you live, do people look at you and say, man, there's something different about them. The way they walk, the way they talk, the things that they do, man, I don't get it. They give when it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. They're, they're borderline weirdos. I don't get it. Wear that as a badge of honor. Oh yeah, because I'm not following the way that everyone else is. I'm following the way of Jesus. But exile kind of sounds a little depressing, doesn't it? There's a little bit of a, of a like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm an ex- Really? I'm an exile? That does not sound good. I wouldn't raise my hands like, I'll be an exile, yeah! Like, this is not, this is not a Hunger Games moment. <laughs> of like, I volunteer as tribute! That's not what this, we wouldn't, we wouldn't hear that. You wouldn't sign up to be like, hey, um, I'm just like, nothing's going to make sense to me anymore. Just take me out of my homeland and I'm just going to kind of live in amongst other people. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I love being tempted every single day. I love being tested all the time. If that's you, I want to talk to you because I just want to like learn from you. And I want to give you a hug because you're amazing. Like none of us sign up for that. Right? Like we don't willing to just be like, yeah, let's go. Let's make life really, really hard. Right? Like, we don't sign up for that. But that's, that's our reality. And the perspective of an exile for us in Clark County has to be the same as first century Romans. It has to be the same. And so Peter writes to a first century Roman saying this. This is our perspective to start out. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The perspective of an exile is that of gratitude. This perspective and the lifestyle of, a, of an exile is that one that praises God no matter what. Because he understands, she understands, I don't belong. And that's okay. Because I belong to Jesus. That's okay. So Peter, right off the bat, he's giving us a, a perspective of the whole picture of what it means to live the way of Jesus. He continues, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the oh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, there's a there's an interesting thing with mercy and grace, and I had a hard time for my the longest time of my life figuring out the two. Because see, mercy is is looking at God really looking at humanity and saying, I I love them treating us in a way that we did not deserve, right? Interacting with us in a way that we did not deserve. That's God showing us mercy daily. And that's maybe why we find so much tension in our schools and when we are around people who are like, they're not following the way of Jesus, but they seem to be doing pretty good, right? Like, like, like so-and-so just got promoted to this spot or like now they're the captain of this or whatever. It's like, they seem to be doing pretty good and here I am struggling, but I got Jesus on my side. What's the deal, 
I would actually chalk that up to, well, it rains on the just and the unjust. <laughs> that God's mercy is shown to humanity. He interacts with us in a merciful way because let's be honest with ourselves. Paul talks about this in Ephesians. We are all dead in our trespasses and sins without Jesus. We are all in the same state without Jesus. So if you're sitting in here and you're feeling like you're better than anyone else because you have Jesus, just remember at one time you were dead. And you didn't do a single thing to make yourself undead. It was all by the grace, the gift given to you by Jesus. That's this living hope. Our God is not dead. This living hope that Peter talks about is just simply that, this grace that has been given to us. And he continues, to an inheritance is what we, we're being given. You're being given something. This is crazy. Right? Like you who were once spiritually dead, enemies of God, that now you're getting something. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. How many things in life as you run after them fall flat? How many things that you go for you're disappointed? How many no's have you gotten in your life because you've been trying and trying and trying and you still get that no? The inheritance that we're being given by God, the inheritance that's waiting for us as citizens of his kingdom, it doesn't go away. It doesn't perish. It isn't defiled. It's such an amazing gift that I am looking forward to for eternity. Peter again continues, who by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He continues in this way. He says this, in this you rejoice. Again, going back to this idea of being praiseworthy, being rejoiced. That now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Quick question. How many of you guys have ever experienced a trial in your life? Oh, all of you. Oh, okay. I mean, even those that aren't raising your hand. I'd like to talk to you afterwards. That's cool. Because um, again, I want to know how you're doing this. Uh, uh, yeah, the, these these trials that we were given, these, these tests that were given, right? How many, how many of you walk into those going, woo, bring it on. Anybody? <laughs> like, I mean, oh, amen, brother. Come on now. Yeah. Like, right? Like when I, when I'm tested with something, my first knee jerk reaction is not, let's go. It's like, <laughs> oh no, not again. Right? Like that's, that's my go-to. Right, but what is Peter saying here? He's like, no, 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 what are you talking about? No, 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 for now, for a little while, for a little while. Are you kidding me? I'm like, Pete, it's been like years, bro. Like, that's a long time I've been going through this. He's like, no, no, this is just temporary. This is just for a little while. Don't worry. If I saw Peter, I'd probably hit him in the nose. Be like, dude, I'm gonna worry. What are you talking about? I... Are you kidding me? But think of some of the things that these people were going through. Like we think we have persecution. Oh my goodness. In your own free time, I'm not going to go into it much tonight. Read up on some of the persecution that the early church in Rome felt. That perspective will humble you pretty quickly. I don't think any of us are being staked and burned alive and ripped apart by animals in the Colosseum. I don't think any of us are experiencing that. 
We're sitting in a wonderful, beautiful camp. Yeah, the room's a little hot, but it's still pretty good, right? Like, they sit on the floor. I mean, like, kind of like got chairs, right? Like, we can make this way more comfortable. So, Sam, tomorrow we're going to make this way less comfortable, okay? You got it? You're done. We're going to crank up the heat um, because this is AC right now. We're going to crank up the heat and take away chairs. Then we'll see if you're complaining. Anyway, right? Like, we, we get so comfortable. We're so comfortable that when trials come, we're like, ah, come on, God. What's the deal? And it would take the brother of Jesus to echo the words of Peter. He says this in James 1, verse 2. He says this, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. I do not like this verse. Okay? There, there are, there, it's okay to say that. There are passages in, in our Bibles that I go, mm-mm. Nope. Not going to do it, James. Not going to do it. Count it joy when we meet trials of various kinds. See, now if you stop right there, I'd walk away too. But I don't want nothing to do with the Christian faith. Nope. Because if you're going to tell me I have to be happy when things go bad for me, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, deuces, I'm out. But then he continues. He continues. For you know, he's assuming you know. He's assuming this. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It produces endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you realize that that is God's ideal for you? Do you understand that? That as exiles, as citizens of his kingdom, his goal for your life is that we would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I know. It makes us drop things. It's so crazy. It's true. Complete and lacking in nothing. This, what, how do we, how do we get a hold of this? What? It's no wonder Peter's like, yeah, it's just for a little bit. James is like, man, count it joy. This is a good thing. You guys know the story of Daniel, right? And his buddies, Shadrach and Benny. Any vegetable people in here? All right, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Right, like, Right, I'm saying like, man, talk about trials. Talk about being exiles. These guys were put in the court of Babylon where Babylon had just wiped through Israel, just cleared it all out. And he's like, I'm going to take all the best ones and y'all are going to serve on my court. Like talk about feeling like an exile, like you don't belong. But see, here's the deal. They, they counted that as a privilege. They counted that as an opportunity to make change. They counted it as a foot in the door to be able to speak truth to the Babylonian king. So that when they were, when they were told to eat certain things, they were like, no, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this. And they were found to be more healthy. And so they changed, right? They changed culture. Then they're like, um, everyone's going to bow down to this thing. They're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that either. Then they're like, fine, I'm going to throw you in a furnace. And then God's like, don't worry, I got you. Comes out of that and boom. Babylon's changed again. Right then with Daniel. I'm not going to pray to your God. I'm only praying to the God. All right, I'm going to throw you in a den of lions. He's like, that's fine. I need a cuddle partner. Right? Like, I heard lions are pretty warm. So he's down there and God shuts the mouth of the lions and he comes crawling out and he's like, yeah, I told you. I'm not praying to any other God because your God can't do that. But they were exiles. They used and leveraged their position as an exile to change culture, to speak for God. 
to actually make a difference that in no other way would have been possible. How do you see your position as an exile in your school, in your home, on your sports teams? Where, where do you see your position as an exile? Do you, do, are you, are you com, com, constantly just combative and like, ah, oh, this is too hard. I'm just gonna give in and act like everyone else. Or do you push back because you're like, no, I wanna infect change, life change, soul change in those that are closest and around me. Because again, that's what our culture has us do. It's all about you. It's all about you. And then we fight when we don't get what we want. Remember the band come up? I'm gonna close this with this kind of thought. We fight. A lot of times with no avail. Why? Well, James tells us why in James 4. He says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you, do, and you don't have, so what? So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. You adulterous people. I need to hear that. I need to hear that. That sometimes I'm, I get so caught up in my own passions, my own ways that I forget that I'm walking in the way of Jesus. And it's no wonder I'm tested so often. It's no wonder things don't go the way that I think they should go because it's not about me. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Do you not know this? Because I think a lot of us, we, we sit on this, this fence line and we're like, well, I can kind of dabble. I can kind of, I mean, I don't have to do it. I, I can kind of do this. Because James doesn't stop there. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. doesn't get much more clear than that. That if we're looking to befriend the world, if we're looking to say, nah, it's not, I mean, it's not that bad. I can do, I mean, I, this, this isn't so bad. I won't do this, but I'll, maybe a little bit of that. Or maybe you're like, man, I just want, I want to fit in because I, I want to show people Jesus and so I got to like dive in as deep as I possibly can. Man, you're going to get swallowed up. You're going to get swallowed up because if you're going to befriend the world and say, yeah, I'm going to get real cozy to the world. I'm going to, I'm going to not let that tension get to me. I'm actually going to re relax the tension a little bit. I'm going to do some things so that people are like, yo, he walks in the mean streets. He's experienced what I've experienced. So we can finally talk and connect. No, no, no. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Because if you're going to be a friend of the world, you're making yourself an enemy with God. So where are you? This is time for you to reflect. Where are you in this discussion? Are you here at camp this weekend because you're like, man, I just, I'm so in love with Jesus. I just want more. I love getting away where you know, I'm not bothered by my phone or this thing and that thing. I just get to be and hang out with people who love Jesus and rock out in the name of Jesus and play awesome games in the name of Jesus and eat in the name of Jesus. Come on. Like we, we do that and we're like, yes, this is so good. Or are you like, man, I just like coming to camp because, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen, like, but yo, like, I, I, I'm hot stuff. I'm going to see if I can't pick up a camp girlfriend this week. 
right? Like, or, or, or girls, you're like, I just, you know, I don't know, there's a whole pack of boys that are pretty cute. Right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what's motivated you to come this weekend. But I'm here to draw a line in the sand. It's night one. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Say some of you may need to have a come to Jesus moment, literally. Or maybe you've been sitting on that line too long to where you're like, no, no, it's actually, it's not that bad. I can actually do this balancing act and I'm pretty good at it. Like when I'm at youth group, I've got my Jesus face on. But when I'm at school, I'm just, I'm just like everyone else. I fit in great. Right? Like, where do you sit in this line? Where, where, do, you, where do you dance back and forth? Do you dance? Are you comfortable? Are you constantly in tension? Where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? Because see, Peter will say this about us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. We haven't, we haven't seen him. I mean, I, I'd say he's left evidence all around us. And if you're that person tonight, it's like, man, just show me the evidence. Just show me the evidence and I'll believe. I think we need to be praying a different prayer. Say, God, open my eyes to the mounds of evidence that is all around us. Just got to look outside. Just got to look in this room. Where are you in this discussion? What side of the line are you on? And friends, I'm here to tell you this because I love you. I do. I'm telling you this because I love you. You got to pick a side. You got to stand on one side or the other. Can't do a balancing act. Where does your allegiance lie? Let's pray. Father, we're, we're humbled when we realize maybe we've believed things that we shouldn't have. Maybe we've realized things in our own lives that are contrary to your way. God, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over this group. I want to ask, Father, that through the power of your Spirit that you would be breaking down walls that God the mercy that you've been showing us our entire lives God may grace be realized in this place tonight God may we just may we receive the free gift of salvation that you give to us may we receive the gift that you want to give us and that's life and life to the full that we'd stop running, that we would stop pushing, that we'd stop trying to fit in with the world, but that we'd be okay in the tension. Father, help us to understand what it means to be in exile. Help us to understand what it means to be part of the dispersion. Father, check our hearts, mine included. May we be people after your own heart. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.